You're listening to Health Call Live, the area's only live local interactive radio hour devoted to you and your health. Watch the video live stream on the Health Call Facebook page and call us with your questions at 447-1190 or toll free at 800-333-1190. Here's your host, health and wellness correspondent, Lee Kelso. Good morning. It is so great to have you with us again this week. I ran into some folks this week who told me that uh, they listen every Saturday morning. They tune in while they're on their way to the favorite coffee shop on Saturdays. And I am just so grateful to be part of your regular Saturday routine. Thank you so much for joining us, no matter whether you're listening live on the radio, catching us on the podcast, or watching on YouTube. Either way, so happy to have you here. You know, one of the things we do on this broadcast is talk about things that health problems that sometimes are a little embarrassing and people really don't like to talk about. And and that's where we are today. We're going to be talking about women suffering with leakage, bladder control problems. And it's a very high percentage of women who experience the problem. There is treatment and cure. And that's what we're going to talk about today with Dr. Scott Boyd from Axia Women's Health and Women's Specialty Care of Fort Wayne. Good morning. Good morning. How, uh, how common is this problem, really? The leakage uh, problem is very common, so we can see you know up to forty to fifty percent of women will have some kind of leakage problems at some point in their life, and uh, we tend to start seeing it around the time of childbirth, and it uh, becomes even more common around the time of menopause and beyond. I was surprised when you told me how long some women wait mm-hmm. for treatment. How long is that? Uh, the average is approximately seven years from the time that they develop the symptom before they seek out health care for it. Seven wow. years of suffering. Seven years. And why, why are they waiting? You know, I think uh, there, there's a myriad of different reasons for it. I think one of it, uh, the main one that I see is people, it, it's so common that women think it's normal. And so they'll just sit there and suffer with it, and they won't even bring it up with their uh, with their doctors, and so they never you know get any evaluation, never get any education on things that can be done. So they so common they think it's normal, and then it's embarrassing. Um, mm-hmm. It's not something that a lot of people want to talk about that they're having to wear pads or adult diapers. And then uh, you know honestly, when I talk to primary care doctors, a lot of times they're so busy with their patient talking about other things, diabetes, heart disease, blood pressure, that uh, it kind of falls to the to the end of the conversation and run out of time and they don't talk about it. Oh wow. So if I have if that's such an excellent point. So a little leakage now again, stress mm-hmm. incontinence is mm-hmm. something that I think is probably primary, right? You know, you you see a little bit of both. Uh, stress incontinence is where, you know, you you a woman will leak with activities: coughing, laughing, sneezing, walking, running, working out. Um, and then we have a lot of women who have what we call overactive bladder or urge incontinence, and that's usually the you've seen the commercials, you know, the gotta go, gotta go. Um, so where they have a strong urge to go to the bathroom, maybe they don't make it in time, they start uh, leaking before they make it, or. Mm-hmm. They'll have other areas uh, where they'll leak like that, getting up at night frequently, not getting good sleep, etc. So, once you identify the type of problem, now that leads you to a course of treatment. How often can you help women? How what kind of percentage of success do you reach? You know, I th- I, th- I always I don't like to say a hundred percent, but I I've done this for twenty years, and and I haven't had a patient yet that we haven't been able to improve. Now we always tell them I might not make it perfect, but you know there are so many different uh, avenues and and therapies. Sometimes it's real simple, just dietary modifications, education, uh, all the way to medicines and surgeries. So there's big big toolbox full of tools for this, um, and so almost always we can improve their their incontinence. Let's walk through that path then. Dietary modifications. What mm-hmm. do I need to be thinking about? 
You know, there's a lot of things that are known bladder irritants uh, that we all probably like. Coffee is one of my favorites, and mm-hmm. it's a very big bladder irritant. And so, if you're having bladder problems, that's probably one of the things that you need to look at is your your diet and start eliminating things like coffee, which has caffeines in it, tannic acids, uh, carbonated beverages. Uh, the CO2 in the carbonation causes basically acid, irritates the bladder, spicy foods. Um, chocolate, which has caffeine, so you start with the with the dietary modifications that helps for some mild issues. So let me <laughs> drill down on coffee for just a second. Mm-hmm. So is it less coffee in general? Cut it out, or to switch to decaf? Well, you know, uh, decaf. There's always caffeine in it. So there's there's no such thing as uh, zero caffeine. You know, decaf. Um, and there's other things in the coffee, the tannic acids and other irritants that are in it. So you 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 know. Depends on how much you love it. Uh, for me personally, if I ever got bladder issues, I would try to find all my workarounds possible and do decaf and half and half and other things. But uh, it's probably best to eliminate it if, if possible. So now let's move on to the next step in that process. If I can't get it under control with dietary modifications mm-hmm. alone, then what? Um, a lot of times women are pretty well versed in something called Kegel exercises. Um, certainly could Google it um, and, and figure that out. So I always tell people on their own, do your dietary modification, do your Kegels. If that fails, <coughs> excuse me, then you know, seek out your medical, you know, primary care doctor, your nurse practitioners. Uh, start discussing it with them. Most primary care docs are pretty good with medicines and, and uh, early early phase treatments. As a matter of fact, uh, a text question here is uh, somebody asking how effective Kegels are, how many per day do you need to do to make it effective? Mm -hmm. You know, it depends on, 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 it's not going to be very effective for an overactive bladder, which is more of the urgency issues. It's pretty effective for the stress incontinence early phases and for younger patients like after delivery. Kegel exercises are very good for that. If they do it a couple times a day, what I always tell people is, you know, if you're watching TV, you know, every time a commercial comes on, do your Kegels while the commercial series is going on. So, you know, five minutes or so, um, and then do that for half an hour. So, you know, you get a couple of sets of five minutes uh, rounds in half an hour period of time. Do that a couple of times a day, and you're you're going to be in good shape. And I understand that's the same is true for men if they're having bladder yeah. problems, right? Yeah. Kegels work for men as well. Kegels work for men. It depends on their issues, but you know they tend to have more prostate problems, which Kegels may or may not work. But yeah, certain things are, are even good for men. Another element in this text question: What is the AZO product? I don't know anything about that. Yeah, AZO. They, they actually, it's a, it's a line of different bladder products. Um, it's all over the counter. Some of it's for overactive bladder. Some of it's uh, for bladder infections. It kind of is some numbing agents. Um, some general bladder health of probiotics. So they have a different, there's probably four or five different Azo products out there. Uh, had good luck with it. You know, I'd recommend, you know, looking into those for, for women if their incontinence isn't very severe. And let's move into procedures now. If I mm-hmm. have a problem that I can't get under control with these mm-hmm. things we've discussed so far, then what? Again, it kind of depends on if it's, you know, we could take stress incontinence, which is a real common one. That's usually due to a weakness in the pelvic floor muscles and the pelvic floor ligament uh, supports underneath the urethra and the bladder. So, if you do your, your, your Kegels, you can try a formal physical therapy approach. So, we have several physical therapists that, that do pelvic floor physical therapy for women. Um, in our group, we have a pelvic floor rehab uh, process as well. If that fails, then surgical uh, uh, techniques are basically slings, which are little pieces of plastic netting that goes underneath the urethra, um, and or bulking agents, injectables into the urethra, which are very effective as well. Where do I need to start? Uh, if I'm okay, I'm now okay. This is not normal. I'm living mm-hmm. with this problem. It's not normal. 
Can I just call and schedule an appointment with you, or do I need a referral in? Nope. Call and make an appointment. Uh, you can come right to the urogynecologist. Um, if you have a good relationship with your primary care doc it's a, you know, and you're seeing them, certainly start that conversation with them. But uh, you can see us anytime. Just give us a phone call or get on our uh, internet and find us. What is uh, the, the most important piece of advice you can give to anybody suffering this problem right now? Uh, you, you said the word right there, suffer. I always tell patients, don't suffer with us. I see patients all the time who have been afraid to go see their, you know, their kids graduate high school, afraid to go to church, afraid to leave the house. Um, they're altering their, their lifestyle constantly, and they're suffering with it. If it gets to the point where you're, you're suffering, uh, seek help. There are way too many good tools in the toolbox to fix this. You should not be suffering with this. We've got to let you go. That's Dr. Scott Boyd from Axia Women's Health, Women's Specialty Care. Time went very quickly here, but on the other side of the commercial break, we're going to go uh, another step in a different direction here with Axia Women's Care, and that is going to talk about the midwife situation. Uh, did you know midwives are still very active and increasingly so? There's a lot we don't know, so we're going to find out more as we continue here on the Health Call Live Radio Hour. Podcasts by Federated Media.